You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from RAND. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's February 9th. Prescription drug prices in the United States are 2.78 times those in other countries. And the gross price of insulin is more than nine times higher. These findings come from two new RAND reports that draw on data from 2022 to examine U.S. prescription drug prices compared with prices in 33 other nations. Here are some other key findings from our analyses. The price gap between the United States and other countries is especially large for brand-name drugs, with U.S. prices averaging more than four times those elsewhere. Prices for generic drugs, which account for 90% of prescription volume in the United States, are about 67% of the average cost in other countries. Still, this does not fully offset higher U.S. prices for brand-name drugs. Although the cost differences of insulin between the United States and other countries varied depending on the country and type of insulin, U.S. prices were always higher, often 5 to 10 times higher than those in other countries. A third new report out this week finds that while most new prescription drugs are sold in the United States before they reach other nations, ultimately, important medications reach most wealthy nations within about a year. This has implications for ongoing debates about how addressing high drug costs could potentially hurt Americans' access to new treatments. These up-to-date estimates and insights can inform policies to help address both rising drug spending and the financial impacts of prescription drugs on consumers. You can find all three reports on Rand.org. Diarrhea is the second leading cause of death for children in low- and middle-income countries, killing more than 500,000 children under age 5 around the world. Nearly all of these deaths could be prevented with oral rehydration salts, a small package of electrolytes that is mixed with water before drinking. So what's stopping practitioners from prescribing them? According to a new study conducted by researchers from RAND, Duke University, the Indian Institute of Management, and the University of Southern California, healthcare providers often avoid prescribing rehydration salts because they think that caregivers want something different for their child. In fact, the study showed that physicians' misperceptions explained 42% of underprescribing. By contrast, the treatment being out of stock explained only 6% of underprescribing, and provider financial incentives explained only 5% of underprescribing. And to underscore just how important providers' perceptions are, when patients did express a preference for rehydration salts, prescribing increased by 27 percentage points. To uncover this data, researchers trained 25 actors to pose as caregivers of children so they could visit health providers to seek help for children in distress with diarrhea. The actors trained for two weeks, memorizing a script and responses to common questions. Then they made practice visits with real health care providers. The findings from this novel study highlight the importance of providers' perceptions and point to potential changes that could help save children's lives. Some efforts to increase affordable housing in Los Angeles 
have been stymied by homeowners who fear that new housing developments will obstruct sunlight around their homes and negatively affect their property values. Rand's Jason Ward, a housing expert and a homeowner in L.A., understands these concerns. In fact, Ward's home is directly across the street from a project converting a single-family home into an apartment building. And, he admits, his family and his neighbors are losing a good deal of sunlight from the new building. But Ward also knows that this is what solving the housing crisis looks like. A single parcel that previously housed one family is being transformed into apartments for perhaps 15 to 25 people, with units reserved for low-income households. There is simply no way to solve the housing crisis in L.A., he says, without creating shade in some residential areas or increasing local traffic in others. However, providing more housing in some parts of L.A. could ultimately reduce traffic by allowing people to live closer to where they work. Further, multiple studies have shown that low-income housing does not substantially reduce property values, including in high-cost neighborhoods. In fact, it often increases them. Ward notes that some constituencies will always oppose development. And that means policymakers who are serious about solving the dual crises of housing affordability and homelessness in L.A. will have to take a hard look at how much political capital they're willing to spend to create effective policies in the face of these objections. If proven approaches are blocked, then Angelinos could end up facing a permanent housing crisis. Robo-taxis and other driverless cars could one day improve road safety and mobility. But how should city and state agencies deal with the risks they pose today? It's a complicated problem. Robo-taxis are a tangle of technologies and services. A robo-taxi marries an autonomous vehicle with mobility on demand and services that may or may not employ electric vehicles. But according to Hyman Park of the Party Rand Graduate School and Rand's Fabian Villalobos, a research method called decision-making under deep uncertainty, or DMDU, could help solve it. DMDU involves using computer simulation and modeling to assess the outcomes of thousands of different future scenarios. The water and energy industries have already successfully used DMDU, but it's still fairly new to the transportation sector. In the case of robo-taxis, for which data on safety is currently lacking, DMDU-inspired methods could be used to measure proxies for risk, such as how rapidly the technology is adopted, whether an agency has the ability to manage the risk, or the size of the potentially affected population. The number of vehicles deployed, number of trips completed, number of users, and traffic density in the area of operation could also be monitored. These approaches could be a game-changer. As robo-taxis continue to roll out, a risk management framework that uses decision-making under deep uncertainty could help cities and regulatory agencies rely less on speculation and more on meaningful data. False and misleading information is rampant online. And in a contentious election year, Americans may be facing more inaccurate, incomplete, and manipulated content than ever before. Research shows that older generations, while well-represented online, 
are less likely to recognize and prevent the flow of misinformation. This is especially important because older Americans are more likely than younger people to vote. So their skills in identifying false or misleading content can affect democratic processes. A RAND tool published this week provides some valuable tips for this group and anyone consuming information online. First, read across sources. Identifying what information is trustworthy can be difficult and is often influenced by the way information is presented online. That's why it's essential to corroborate evidence through multiple websites or sources, rather than readily believing information from a single source. Second, resist emotional manipulation. Emotionally charged content travels fast online. Social media can make people feel strong emotions that lead them to share things quickly. In fact, appealing to people's emotions is one of the most certain ways a post can capture attention online. And bad actors take advantage of this. What can you do about it? Take the simple step of reflecting and thinking critically about what you're reading. Before liking, sharing, or commenting on a post, ask yourself why you want to do so. Is it because of an emotional reaction or for another reason? Finally, take personal responsibility. Remember that everyone plays a crucial role in stopping the spread of false and misleading content. And you can multiply your positive impact by discussing these tips with family and friends, particularly those who you notice may be sharing false or misleading information online. Taking these steps can help reduce the impact of bad information during the election cycle, create a more informed society, and ultimately, protect democracy. That's it for this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about what we discussed today, check out the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis.